What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in, as always. First things first, I'm going to get my advertisement out of the way. If this is your first time listening, fast forward a little bit so you don't get annoyed, but go to patreon.com slash kinda neat. Pledge $1. $1 per episode. That's about $4 a month. That's nothing. You guys could find that in the change between your butt cracks. So... Go ahead and do that, patreon.com slash kind of neat, and help us out. Thank you so much. Okay, guys, I did it. It is engagement season. I did not get engaged yet, but we went and picked out a ring, bought a diamond, got a setting and all that stuff. I'll pick it up either this week or next week. So the reality is getting closer. Your boy is growing up. Your boy is in a very serious and committed relationship and things are happening. My life is changing. It doesn't really feel like a significant change because it just feels normal and natural and a steady progression. But yeah, it's going to be like official soon. She doesn't listen to the podcast. So I'm just going to tell you guys like we're going to Australia in May and I'll probably do it out there. And I'm hoping that she doesn't listen to the podcast. I think she doesn't. But if so, hey, spoiler, babe. But yeah, we're going to go to Australia and uh, visit some homies. It's the same guy that I went to Japan with last year, if you guys remember that story. He just had a kid, so we're going to go out and visit. And it's very beautiful. And uh, that's where I'm going to go get down on a knee and pop the question, guys. It's going to happen. In the meantime, though, we're doing some traveling here as well. This week, and I will be in Park City Utah snowboarding and stuff. So that should be tight. It'll be Mia's first time in Utah. We're going out there. And then uh, what else? Oh, I was finally able to book Yosemite again. I know you guys are so excited about my fucking camping ventures. But like after our first experience in Yosemite last year, we've been fiending to get back. And it is fucking hard to get a campsite in Yosemite still. It took me three months and three attempts because every month on the 15th, they released the campsites. And uh, the first two months that I tried, I could not get them because they booked up too fast. It's like it's really like, you know, you have to be really quick with the trigger finger and start booking or else the ones that even say they are available, they instantly get booked out right from under your feet. So finally, I got one. So I'll be out there again in the end of July. I'm stoked about that. And then going home to Alaska in August at some point, like, man, your boy is out here jet setting and traveling. Uh, my mom's in town right now. She's seeing my dad for the first time since Christmas. And unfortunately, it has been uh, pretty... I think a pretty steep decline since then. Uh, he is getting a little more different. You know, like I've told you guys in the past, it tends to decline, plateau, decline, plateau. Right now, he hit a decline since um, December, and hopefully it might be a plateau for a while. But when I go now, it's a little... It's a little sadder. It's a little slower. It's definitively less cognizant. So when he first got down here into the memory care facility, we would walk kind of like walk laps because the place is a giant square. So it's for all intents and purposes, it's a big ass circle you can walk. And, um, you know, I would go and visit and he would kind of laugh and we'd walk around and we just walk laps all the way around the place continually all day. And then uh, now it is a little more like he's down to taking about, I don't know, 10 or 15 steps in a row and then getting distracted by something and kind of turning around and going the other way. And he's talking definitively less and reacting just less to outside stimulation. 
trying to get his attention with his name takes a lot longer now. As you guys might have listened to previously, like I was back to playing headphones, like playing music and headphones for him. And I had a playlist going for him and he would leave it on for a while and get very happy. And, and then I started noticing a few months ago that he was taking the headphones off more frequently. And I realized it was, be, it was like when it changed to certain bands like that weren't as kind of like viscerally catchy you know what i mean like when the drums weren't instantly popping and the guitar riffs weren't like bumping instantly that he would just kind of take it off so like bob dylan is out the window you know like uh the band is not working for him anymore so i've got it down now to where i just leave it on a repeat of fortunate son by credence clearwater revival that that's like and he grooves to that he always grooves to the intro and he'll leave that song on the whole time and then i and then i also play muddy waters manish boy that classic blues riff he still grooves to that too so i'll just leave those two songs on repeat and he'll leave the headphones on the whole time not realizing that they're repeat all the time yeah, that's pretty much like the one constant in my life right now is just going to visit old Barry once a week. And it's kind of my, it's nice. It's kind of like my little catharsis, my day off, my, okay, I'm not doing shit else today. I'm just going to go visit him and, and be present. And I've even stopped kind of like taking as many photos of him, which I was doing partially for my mom and partially for myself just to kind of like document what we've been going through but also just to show her updates and now I find myself while I'm there kind of not taking it at photos because I don't know I just want to be present and a lot of the times he's he's sleeping now you know it's like pretty instantly like after lunch sleep wake up for 20 minutes then sit down fall back asleep and so you know if I'm there for four hours then he might be awake for about I don't know uh, an hour of it or, or maybe an hour and a half of it like he's sleeping more than he's awake at this point it's it's man I'm calloused over but it's still very sad and sometimes it's the weird little things that kind of um, remind me to be sad about it it's not it's not thinking about my own dad it's seeing other people's experiences with their father or whatever like little things will catch me out of the blue and just make me tear up for no fucking reason it's very it's unpredictable sometimes what'll do it you know but yeah, random thoughts will pop into my head or like, you know, if somebody, I don't know, this one thing always gets to me where his best friend from San Antonio when I was born is this guy, Roland, I called him my uncle Roland. And he was at my brother's wedding. I might've talked about him last year or two years ago when my brother got married, but, uh, he's this, you know, old dude from San Antonio who's like super nice and really fucking cool and was a big part of my life for like the first five or six years of my life and then hadn't seen him forever but my mom told me a story where he called and you know had just said like oh you know if I could take any of the burden off Barry's shoulders and put it on mine I would and just occasionally that pops into my head it makes me so fucking sad so yeah there you know now you guys can be depressed with me uh but no everything's pretty fucking good man my life is chill it's been rainy as fuck in in Los Angeles which is not necessarily the best for my mental health but I am happy because I'm in a nice house with a great girl and my dog and I don't know things are even keel and things are good and 
it seems like this year is going to be a busy year for work for me, which is also good. And I just got my taxes done and I'm all flush with that. I'm getting pretty good at putting enough money away to pay my taxes every year, which was a real struggle for the first five years of being an independent contractor. Let me tell you something, guys. If you dream about quitting a day job and being an independent contractor or living on like a, a creative gig uh, uh, income, man, don't spend all the money from all the checks that you get put the shit away because you're going to owe a lot more in taxes than you realize. And so there were a couple years, like you guys know, where I got in tax trouble with it. And finally I've gotten, I got a good tax lady who keeps me in check. And then I got a good sense of how much I need to be putting away from every check so that I'm all flush. And this year I finally nailed it. I feel like I'm getting grown up, feel like I'm getting grown up. And if you're like some young 20 year old listening to that shit and, and it sounds stupid, Wait for a few years, motherfucker. You're going to be going through this shit. What else? Oh, I'm going to go on a long intro. Sorry, Ben. (laughs) But we had a job the other week, and I wanted to talk about this, where we were photographing kind of, not necessarily craftsmen, but using their spaces. You know what I mean? Like people that use their hands to make a living. And we photographed a woodworker and a leather worker, or their workspaces at least. And man... It was so inspiring and also like kind of bittersweetly disheartening to me because I was a really fucking cocky youth who was like, I never want to get my hands dirty in a job. Like I want to use my brain and my creativity to get by. I don't want to build things and I don't want to do, I would never do construction. I would never do this. I would never whatever because I thought that there was something I thought that it was a higher, more enlightened path to try and use your brain and your art to get paid, right? And it took me a long time to realize that, you know, building stuff and like woodworking and using your hands to create things is an art, duh. Like I didn't put that together um, until I was much later in life. And so watching this guy, this woodworker who was building these incredible desks and these incredible cabinets and finding all these rare types of wood and putting so much care into every product that he made was extremely inspiring because he just, he had this place to go to every day to be by himself and make things with his hands. And then he could, he had the validation and the, and the, I don't know, the satisfaction of seeing his final product and then somebody going, holy shit, this is so great and buying it off of him. And that was very inspiring to me for one, but also, like I said, bittersweet because a few years ago, I told you guys about my step-grandfather Bruce passing away and Bruce he was a VP like damn near CEO of a lot of of a big ass company and so he was like for all intents and purposes a pretty rich dude in like the 70s and 80s and then as a hobby once he retired he took to woodworking and he became a very accomplished carpenter he would build very beautiful and ornate pieces of, of wood like boxes and like jewelry boxes and I don't know I have like a handmade wooden horse like a rocking horse that he made when I was a kid and just all kinds of cool shit and he used to offer to teach me to build stuff and I didn't really me and Bruce didn't get along that well when I was a teenager because I was a rebellious fucking idiot turd and you know he would be like oh I'll, you know I'll teach you how to do this I really want to teach someone and I'd be like nah I don't want to learn that shit I never said that outright but I, it was like secondhand like I would hear from my grandmother you know Bruce would like to teach you and I would be like I don't want to teach I don't want him to teach me you know I don't like him and I don't want to woodwork and blah 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 and I look back now and I realize what a fucking idiot I was because 
all I wish that I could do now is build some shit with my hands. And I know eventually when I decide to that I've had my share of the creative shit and I retire somewhere in the woods or whatever the fuck, if retirement is ever even going to be a thing for my generation. But, you know, if I were able to, I would go live in the fucking woods and do shit with my hands. And at this point now I'm going to have to like learn from YouTube videos and fucking blog posts where I could have just learned from somebody and had a craft handed down to me. So anyway, I guess my point is, is like, man, if you got somebody in your life that can teach you how to do some cool shit, don't play them to the left, learn how to do it. It's important and it's fucking tight. And like, man, watching these guys, like I got a new belt from the leather worker. Like he just made a fucking belt right in front of us. He took out a big ass piece of rawhide leather and like, or like not rawhide, but it was just, it was like treated leather and cut off the strip with his hand and measured me and put in the holes and sanded it down and did all this crap. And it was like, he made me like a custom belt fitted to me in like 10 minutes and it was the coolest fucking thing. And I'm like, damn, I wish I knew how to do this. Coincidentally, he taught himself on YouTube. So I guess my point is, man, like learning how to do shit with your hands is hella cool. And I wish that I would have thought that 20 years ago when I was too snobby to realize that in 20 years I would want to build stuff with my hands. So, yeah, that's that. Beyond that, I wanted to talk about the direction of the show again because we're coming up on our five-year anniversary. I don't know if Ben realizes that, but we started this in March of 2013, and now it is March of 2018. Still haven't even reached 150 episodes, which means I have not been on my grizzly grind with this like some of my other friends who've been doing it for just as long. You know, first off, shout out to other podcasts that are doing kind of similar stuff to us. Like shout out to It's The Real. Fucking love those guys. Shout out to fucking get up on this podcast. You know, there are a lot of other great podcasts. I think there's one called the cypher show. I've not listened to it, but I think their guest list is, or their guests are very well curated that do what we do and are passionate about it and are not kind of like using our, I don't think we're using our platforms for any ill intentions and all that stuff. And that said, you know, it has gotten more difficult in Los Angeles to book rap acts, not just because I'm not as heavily involved in the scene as I once was, but also I'm getting to a point where a lot of stuff is not speaking to me like it once was. And there are other media outlets that are have a much bigger influence than we do that are able to book guests that I would want to book before we can, because a lot of times acts that are traveling through Los Angeles, they have a limited amount of time. And so of course they're going to choose the one that, that has the most recognition. And so booking rap acts has become more difficult. And you guys will notice in my curation lately that I'm swaying a lot more into soul music. I'm swaying a lot more into pop music. And that is partially because of circumstance, partially because that's what's speaking to me. And also because like my goal was never to make kind of neat, strictly a rap show. Obviously my background is in rap and in hip hop, but it is not my only interest. I'm not a single minded person. And I generally just like to find music that I think is important, that is timely, and that is going to eventually reach a big audience. And that's kind of the goal now has become just a competition with myself to really find artists that I believe in and also find underrepresented voices like I've spoken about before. That's why we do try to have on as many people of color, LGBTQ community, underrepresented voices, you know, that I don't think a lot of other shows or I don't know like a lot of the music industry doesn't let these people speak for themselves you know so 
that's kind of the goal and that's kind of where I'm at. And so I just wanted to like kind of touch bases with you guys and let you know like, yo, the show does constantly evolve and it's not always going to be a rap show. It's not always going to be just one thing and it's going to kind of sway in and out. And sometimes the videos, they're going to speak to you and other times they might not speak to you, but they're always going to keep coming. And I think that if you just keep checking in with us, eventually you're going to find some shit that you love. And so with that being said, today's act is... He was kind of a rapper and his music is definitely has some rap influence, but I think he's going to become a very, I think he's going to become an established act as a pop, as kind of a a downtrodden pop artist. His name is Role Model. I just found him a couple days ago, so I'm kind of late to the party because I guess he's been working for a couple years. And uh, I mistakenly said that he's 19. He's a little. He's 21 now. I think I don't think that he would mind having that revealed. But he's a 21 year old artist who, man, I don't know. His record is called Arizona Summer EP. It's on SoundCloud. It's on Spotify. It just spoke to me. I really think what he's doing is a wonderfully morose just beautifully depressed music and it it reminds me of stuff that I would have wanted to hear when I was in high school or when I was his age it would have spoken to me it it has kind of a it's in that same realm as like Massive Attack or or Portishead or whatever but in, in more of a modern context and I don't know I really like it and so this song I Don't Really Like You that he performed on the channel it really spoke to me. I was sending it to everyone. And I, and that's the thing is that I believe in everyone that I have on the show. And I told him this before the show. I was like, I believe in everyone that we have on the show. And I believe everyone that we have on the show can create a lane for themselves in, as an independent artist. But I wouldn't bet on everybody that we had on the show, you know. And he's somebody that I would bet on. I think that this guy is going to be have a bright future. And he is going to be somebody that we'll look back on perhaps the way that now I look back on having Caliucci's on the show or having Ghostman on the show or having Kyle on the show where he could eventually cross over into having a very huge career, even though right now, if you look at his Twitter, you only got fucking 600 followers. So I may be like speaking preemptively on this. I may be speaking too soon. But I think the talent is evident and this dude's really cool. And I was also just surprised at how kind of similar our upbringings were. So maybe I'm biased. Who knows? But without any further ado, here is my conversation with Role Model. You're here. You're here in Los Angeles. This is not your first time, which I'm surprised by because you're a youngster, right? You're only 19? Yeah. I My first time was in the fall, and yeah. I came out um, just randomly because, like, I know I want to move here. Yeah. But I didn't. I just wanted to come out and experience it before I made any, like, huge decisions. Right. You wanted to look before you leap. Exactly. Yeah. And then, um, and then we started kind of gaining some traction, getting attention, and then we had, like, reasons to come out here. Yeah. Um, and so that's pretty much it. I mean, we've been coming out a few times. How did then. you start getting traction and attention? I'll be honest. I only heard about you about four days ago, maybe five days yeah. ago. And and it just like blew me away. So and then I come to find out Arizona summer came out in December. Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, it was December 3rd or November 30th. So okay. pretty much. Yeah. December 1st. But um, yeah, that that kind of took a while because I I put that out. Not knowing that that was a bad time to put out records, like, uh, yes, like I yeah. didn't know anything about fourth quarter, all that bullshit, and right. like, so I just kind of did that, and then 
I was bummed because people started kind of telling me that, and I was like, there's no hope. And then randomly, like, it just kind of organically started building traction. Like, there was no Spotify playlist placement at right. first because Spotify was fucking probably busy with g album and all that shit. And, and like, the holidays are kind of like a slow time in right. general. Like, everyone kind of checks out. All the creatives kind They're of, like, out. check out of work for, for, sure. for December and January. Like, yeah. Yeah. And... That's a tough lesson to learn, but that's not. But at least you're learning it now because I didn't. But a learn really that, good one to learn. Yeah, I didn't learn that until my late twenties, and I was putting out records when I was your age too. You yeah. Know? So it's like it was good timing. Yeah, the, I'm glad it, it happened. There you go. And so the fact is, it is catching on organically, and that's the important part because right. an organic following is more important than a PR following. Longevity. You know. For sure. Yeah, longevity, man. Just stay with it. So is this? This can't be your first. Like, is it your first EP? It's not. Okay. I, it's my first EP under the name Romano. Yeah. But I I started making music under the name Dillis, which was like all rap. Like I okay. got into music rapping. Okay. Yeah. Because um, that was going to be one of my subjects to touch on is that I think people will probably label you a white rapper. But yeah. in listening to the actual EP, I don't think that it's like traditional rap in a sense. I think it's more of croon- no. crooning. You're like a singer-songwriter. I think yeah. you can hear the influence for sure. Absolutely. Like, I think that that hip-hop influence still resonates in everything yeah. I make, and mm-hmm. it always will because I still listen. Like, I love hip-hop. Like, that's all I listen to. Mm-hmm. I also grew up on, like, all rock. So it's and like, Bob Marley and just a bunch of random shit. Country, too. Like... So it's all about, now it's just about taking influence from, like, everything that mm-hmm. I listen to. And mm-hmm. if people want to, like, label it as rap, they can. But if people want to label it as rock or indie, whatever, like, it's fine. Before I touch on that, I want to tell you a joke that I heard because you just brought up Bob Marley. I was watching this comedian. Shout out to this dude, Jabuki Young White. Hilarious dude. He's of mixed ethnicity, right? And he's half Jamaican. And he goes, yeah, you know, I went to Jamaica and I found out that Bob Marley is mixed ethnicity. Did you know that Bob Marley is half black, half white, just like me? And I had no idea because that dude loves reggae. I mean, Bob Marley fucking loves reggae. So I always just assumed he was white. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) So tell me about your time as a white rapper. Like, what were you... Who were your influences? What were your guys? What did you sound like it before? And is the stuff still up on SoundCloud? I don't think so. I yeah. think for the most part, I cleared a lot yeah. of it. Delete um, it, bro. Yeah, get, get rid of it. Um, <laughs> like, I still have a lot of the stuff. and like, um, But it was, like, to me, like, looking back on it, I think I was honestly just trying to adapt to what was, like, popping at the time. Like, it was heavy auto-tune. Mm-hmm. Um Still a lot of, like, melodic type of rapping, but mm-hmm. it was just shit content. Like, it was just what I was talking about was just, like, not true, and I wasn't being honest, and it was, like, I just wasn't a fan of it. And then... And so, what, you were, like, 16 or 17 doing that? 15? I was... No, no, this was... this was I didn't get into music until I was... Uh, until I was about 19. Okay. So, th- so it was very new. It was, like, when I got to college. Okay. Um, and... Started right in with hip hop and then, yeah, and then slowly started to realize that that wasn't really what I wanted. So to do. you must have realized that very quickly. Then it was fairly quick. I mean, n- no, it was like two years, and then I started realizing that I just yeah, I okay. wanted to get back to like what I really okay. Well, first and foremost, where are you from? Portland, Maine, right? Portland, Maine. Okay, isn't that where Stephen King is from? 
Yeah, he's from, he's from Maine. Ba- Bangor. He's yeah, he's from like the way in the woods, like up up. I'm like right on the coast, like in the southern part, like right on the ocean. Okay, cool. So you're it's not like from where it takes place. Hell no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um. So what is Portland, Maine, all about? Is it like a fishing town? Yeah, it's a port. It's literally like a city. Yeah. In a port. Yeah. And like all the lobster, all the seafood and shit, like all the Maine lobster comes in right there. Is, is that um, what your family was into? Where they were in, like, see, oh no, 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 my, yeah. no, they had nothing to do with that. My, my dad did, my dad was a ski bum no for, shit. yeah, he was a ski bum for like six years and then started his own real estate company. Nice. Don't know how that, how that works, but, um, he probably quit smoking weed. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> probably was probably like that easy. <laughs> um, and my mom's a teacher, so. Oh, my mom was a teacher too, man. Yeah. Yeah. What grade? She she did special ed for up until like a year ago, and then she kind of switched to like s- helping kids that like don't know how to read. Yeah, and right. Stuff, like little, yeah. Yeah, my mom was an elementary school counselor for a very very long yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. I think I feel like um, teachers pump out creative kids, man. You know, they yes, they it's like it's like having two moms. It's I don't know. It's like a double mom, and it's fucking. I love it. What do you mean? I don't know, like, she's a mom, but she's also a teacher, so she, like, brings home, like, like, in a negative sense, she does that, like, really fucking annoying, like, teacher voice, where she's like, sweetheart, you need to... (laughs) Bro, I'm so happy you said that. (laughs) I thought that my brother and I were crazy, because we used to tell her, we used to tell her, like, yo, mom, please turn off your teacher voice. Right. Because she would do that, she'd come on, like, okay... Lee, Steven, I need you guys to sit down. (laughs) How do you think that makes him feel? (laughs) Oh, my God. You guys can't see it, but my face is, like, shocked right now because I went through that same thing. (laughs) Yeah, that is a trip. That's very funny. You got siblings? Yeah, I have a brother and a sister, both older. Both older? So you're the the baby? How much older are they? My brother's 28 and my sister's 27. Right. So were they like they were like off to college by the time you were in high school and yeah, stuff? They were, yeah. So do you feel kind of like an only child or no? Or are you close to them? No, um I feel like an only child in the sense that they're absolutely nothing like me. Yeah. And they still don't understand like my whole family tells me I'm adopted, like as a joke, but yeah. at the same time, like I have a feeling that it's also not a joke. Because <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Like my my sister's like a doctor, super into health and fitness, and then my brother was like Wants to be, like, a chef, yeah. kind of, but also, like, dropped out of... It's, like, a whole weird mess. Like, And then not, you're just, like, making records about smoking cigarettes and yeah, fucking chicks. There's, <laughs> it's a very weird mixture. I'm not I'm not sure. Yeah, Maybe that's not quite happens. as healthy as a doctor. No. <laughs> I mean, chef is a creative field, though. I'm sure, like... A little bit, c- cooking, yeah. cooking is an art, for sure. Netflix yeah. has taught me that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so, growing up in Portland, what were you getting into? I skated a lot, gr- like... I mean, music was not a, really a part of my life until college. So, like, before then, it was... I liked just having a camera in my hand all the time. Mm. And I, I went to school for film, too. But, hey, same. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I did, like... I filmed skating a lot. A lot of skate videos. A lot of ski videos. Went to the mountain a lot. Nice. Um, you got friends that are good, then? Like, it, it, if you chose to pick up the camera, does that mean that you were the worst skater of your bunch, but you could keep up with them pushing? But Honestly, not? probably. Yeah. But, like... It was the same for me with snowboarding. I, I I grew up in Alaska. We snowboarded. 
And I picked up a camera because I realized I was the worst of my friends at yeah. snowboarding, and they were all doing really cool shit, and I wanted to get pictures just of it. just be a part of it. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah, it's a good way to stay involved somehow. It's true. So what kind of camera did you pick up? Um, my first camera was obviously a GoPro. And yeah. then I moved from that to I had a T2i, mm-hmm. and then I had um, like a Lumix GH3. And then are you doing, like, the, the 90s-style, like, fisheye lens and getting close? Yeah, I had yeah. the fisheye for a long time, yeah. and then I sold that, and then, yeah, I did a lot of the fisheye shit. That's awesome, yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. Um, so you got into, like, video editing and all that stuff, like, while you're in, what, middle school or, like, high yeah, school? Yeah, it was, it was, like, eighth grade and on. Yeah. Straight up till college. Right. And, and like, s- I still do it. Like, I, I edit. Of course. Like, a, I didn't edit that most recent video, but I did edit, um... That girl in New York video. Okay. But, yeah, like, I still love that aspect of, like, creating. I love film, love production, love editing. Totally. I think one of the things that um, maybe the outsiders to the music world don't know is that a lot of, like, music careers start on the back of another creative career. Yeah. And and then, like, you just build off the skills you've acquired from the other thing, right? So if you're a video editor, you start making music and you go, oh, wait, I know how to music, I may know how to make music videos. Like my shit was, I was a photographer, so like all the photos of me were always fire because it was like I knew how to do that. Yeah. Nothing else, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Were you like a bad kid? No, I was a very good kid. Okay. I was like, I mean, I was a very good kid in the sense that like I didn't drink or smoke until until college mm-hmm. like i didn't have a sip of liquor until my freshman year of college why and not i just didn't want to like it didn't i didn't what? i was having fun like i had fun and i didn't need anything to have fun what, like it what was, were you scared of i don't know dude like there wasn't i don't think it was even like i don't know i learned from my brother's mistakes i'll say that so like, you were scared of turning out to be like a fuck up I I guess like no, I just not to say that your brother's a fuck up. No, but, no, but yeah. he he definitely fucked up and yeah. he he learned. But like just watching that and seeing like how it affected my parents and all that, like it was just it's so much easier to just not do it. And yeah. then I move away and I can do it. <laughs> yeah, totally. But uh, yeah. Um. So like straight A's and all that too, because you no, have no. a teacher mom. No, 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 no. no. Really Hor- horrible grades. Really a lot of F's. Um. But at least I would, like, the the good thing was, like, I could always be like, hey, mom, but, like, I'm also not doing drugs and I don't drink. Right. But here's an F on my report card. <laughs> right. Here's an F, but I'm sober. Right. You know? <laughs> and so she didn't mind quite as much. Yeah, no, she was. Why were you doing so poorly in school? You seem smart enough. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, c- I can't take tests. I can't, like, I don't like reading books and I don't like... I think it was pretty much that. Like, I literally think it was just tests, and I can't, like, sit down and read a book. Like, I still can't do that. Really? Yeah. I wish I could. Yeah. That'd be cool. <laughs> totally. Reading books is super tight. For Kids sure. stay in school, yes. read books. Girls love that shit. You know? Wish I could. How was relationship with dad? It was good. I have an amazing relationship with my parents. Like, that, I love them. That's tight, because that's a rarity on this show. Yeah? Yeah, people have fucked up families, man. I believe it. Yeah, artists have fucked up families. It's true, but that also, like, is what pushes like some of the best art ever Uh, that's what i always say that that's the theme of the show but that's good that you had a you had a solid one did your dad ever want you to get into real estate with him or what i I know he wants like to keep that going like pass it down to me and my brother or something but Mm -hmm. i think my brother's probably gonna take the take that (laughs) i'm not i'm not (laughs) interested at all well because here's the thing is like 
Most people, I would say, hey, don't sleep on the family career. That's good. I will tell you, I think you're going to be all right because, I, like I told you, I believe in your music and I would bet on you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there are times when I look back and I go, oh, man, I had an opportunity to be a real estate agent at one point. And now as a 36-year-old, I'm like, that sounds like some real easy good money. Huge money. Big money. A big money. Dude, in L.A., to, like out here, oh that's God. fucking huge money. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so you're skating, you're doing bad in school. Like, were you were you good with chicks? Um, I was I was pretty pretty nervous around girls for the earlier years of high school, and then pretty much like as soon as I had you know as soon as I had sex for the first time, it was like I had confidence all of a sudden. Okay, which is I don't know. Were you an awkward looking youngster? I had huge teeth. I still have huge teeth, oh. but like when I was smaller, they just looked a lot bigger. Yeah, right. And so I was like. I don't know, dude. I was I just wasn't confident. That was it. Like I was just super. Yeah, there was like a year. I mean, it was probably around that time that you're talking about. But there was like a year in my life where I went from being the like awkward little runt to like hitting a growth spurt, getting my braces off, and getting a driver's license all at the same time. But and, and it was like <laughs> it just game happens. over, dude. It, was it just happens. Yeah, yeah. You get through that awkward phase. So, what college did you end up deciding to go to? Um, I went to Point Park University, which where? is in Pittsburgh. It's like in the city. In Pittsburgh, what made you choose Pittsburgh? It was, it was not on my, it was not on my list at all for schools or but F, cities. But F's kind of make you go where you can. Yeah, but well, actually, for some reason, they gave me a lot of money. Um, they gave me like that's the only reason I ended up there is because they gave me a big scholarship for film, and um, for some reason, didn't mind the grades. Okay, so um, then let's dive into the film stuff more. You had to be doing more than skate videos then if people are throwing money at you. I was doing, yeah, like I did short films too. Like I, I wanted to do music videos, but no one in Maine at the time made music. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, like I, I loved making short films and stories. Tell me about them. They're on Vimeo. Really? Yeah. Yeah, why not YouTube? Vimeo is just more artsy for you? <laughs> it was yeah that was like at the time vimeo was like the spot i don't know i think now it's changed because there's money in youtube and yeah. you can actually like start a career off youtube just putting out like content in general but at the time it was just like vimeo because at what time what year was this i mean this was like 2000 12 2013 oh uh, see that's the I, in 2012 2013 i was already like youtube gang like i was yeah. like i would tell people like you who were like oh i'm you know i'm too artsy for youtube like i need hd and i need it to be a clean aesthetic and i'd be like it's like this if you want to be artsy and put your view, like videos on Vimeo, that's fine. But if you want people to see your videos, put them on YouTube. Exactly. You know what I mean? And you can curate your YouTube to like not be YouTube-y. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Like people would always say, oh, I don't want to put my stuff on YouTube because I don't want to be a YouTube star. I would be like, bitch, do you know how much fucking work <laughs> it takes to be known as a YouTuber? Like, get the fuck out of here. Just because right. you put like a, just because you put like some little comedy skit on YouTube does not mean you're going to be a YouTube star. Yep. So anyway. That was like a constant battle though, like going back and forth with that. Right. So you already had like a kind of a, a vibe and an aesthetic even a, a, in those years that you, you, you were like trying to create high art. I think so. Like yeah. I really liked, yeah. I mean, it was like. It wasn't just, like, home videos and, like, put together fucking, I don't know. Like, I really did, like, care about it, and I wanted to put in thought and make how it would different. You, how would you learn how to do the editing and stuff? 
That was that was self taught, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like I started on iMovie mm-hmm. um, way back, and then did Final Cut forever. And Stayed you would learn from YouTube videos for the most part, honestly. <laughs> yeah, like it was the irony. See, there you go. <laughs> the irony. No, I'm just kidding. For the most part, it was like YouTube videos, and then I would just like constantly be texting people and asking them questions, like right. people that I knew know how to do it. And so, who um, would help you with this? Did you have a group of friends that were interested in the same thing? Mm, not really. It was me. It was like it was just me with a camera, and I had a group of very entertaining friends that like I could just pull out the camera and, and you funny shit would happen. Make them act or no? Like, no. W- would you be writing scripts? You're just filming kind of like day in the life stuff. F- for the most part, it was just day in the life, like funny shit, yeah. like yeah. I mean, just bullshit at first, and then kind of closer to college, I started actually writing like scripts for. Um, Short films okay, and stuff like that. Now, when you're doing the funny stuff at first, are you passing them links around, like, to your homies at school and, and people are starting to know, like, oh, look out for his videos. They're really funny and so-and-so yeah, fucking like, ate a frog or some shit. Like, <laughs> it was shit like that, I yeah. guess, yeah. So did you start gaining some popularity because of your videos? M- very, maybe very locally. Like, in, so I had, I had one ski film thing that I put out and it was called The Lineup. And that was, like, my one thing that kind of got me some sort of a name. But it was only a name when I went to the mountain. And people would be like, hey. Like, it it was never anything more than local. Like, Okay. So dad taught you to ski then? Yes, very young. And you chose skiing over snowboarding? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I, he was forced upon me. Yeah, like he, right. he got me before I could even, like, make decisions. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, totally. I was, like, two years old. Like, what, what was, you guys, what was your leash. whole mountain? Uh, Sugarloaf. Okay, cool. Yeah. How many days a year would you get? Mm, Approximately. Like in high school, it was every weekend. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah, I grew up, I started skiing when I was. Yeah, you're from Alaska. I'm from Alaska, but I'm from the interior, like way in the middle of the state. So it's like relatively flat, but we had like five little like bunny hills around was, my home, you know? So that's good. I grew up. When I or like when I was nine years old, I learned how to ski, and then by the time I was twelve, this is fuck nineteen ninety two, nineteen ninety three. The cool kids on my mountain, I started seeing them snowboarding. There was this one fucking kid, man. He had he would snowboard in his dad's jeans, and then he would tie a bandana around his leg, and like he would wear just like a bunch of sweatshirts instead of a jacket. And I thought he looked so cool. Transcender. And I was, and he had a chain <laughs> wallet, and I was like, oh fuck this, fuck skiing, I gotta get a snowboard. And so then by the time I was thirteen, I switched over, and now you know. I think I had that same thought process. Yeah. They were like the cool kids. The snowboarders were always the cool kids. Right. But I'm sure if you grew up in the next generation after as a skier, you probably like do all the wild acrobatics and yeah. you dress like a snowboarder anyway probably yeah. right yeah yeah so i want to be <laughs> so your friends were good at skiing too and you would film that yeah like a lot of my a lot of my friends went to a school that was on the mountain it was like mm-hmm. a high school for kids that just wanted to ski every single day that's um, tight and so like i would just go up there and they would obviously always be up there yeah and be like hey i'm bringing the camera up this weekend let's shoot and it was just every weekend and so you were more into like freestyle skiing than like racing or anything like that did he yeah. try to get you into racing as a kid no it was it was always like freestyle type of stuff and That's I, I did it competitively too for a few years no shit and then how far did you get with that i mean not far like i just did a lot of competitions that were like on the local the few local mountains that we had yeah 
um, just for fun because I want to like be competitive with it. Totally, it's really not a competitive sport. Well, flex on him, dude. Tell tell me what your best trick no, was. What no. was your best trick? I was I was not that good. I mean, I I don't know. Would you? I was going upside down a little bit. Yeah, I was there gonna say. Go. Yeah, I'll would you? Would you? Would that. you invert? You would yes. you go inverted? Inverted. <laughs> nice. That's tight, man. See, that's the thing. Is like once my friends started inverting on snowboards, and I realized that I was not gonna be able to do that. Yeah. That's when I picked up the camera. There you go. You know what I'm saying? I was like, okay. I did the same. Thing. They're doing McTwists and shit. I'm like, nope. I'm just gonna like, I'll keep doing my 540s, <laughs> and then I'll take pictures of the McTwists. Right. You feel me? I feel you. Yeah. So, um, do you still ski? I do. Yeah. Um, I'm much more careful now because I, like, last winter I fucked up. I I fucked up my wrist, and then you hit a tree. I hit a rock, uh. big old boulder, uh. <laughs> and um, yeah, fucked up my wrist really bad for a few months, and then kept fucking it up. I fucked it up in the summer, and then in the fall skating, and yeah. so I'm just like, things are going really well right now. Yeah. And I like I was just home for a couple weeks. Uh, and I went to the mountain, but I did not ski. Like, I just don't want to risk it right now. Really? I don't. You know, it's funny because I grew up in a similar sense, it sounds like, in a snowy area. And I would ski or snowboard every weekend, sometimes Thursday through Sunday. Yeah. Like, particularly when I got a license, it was like as soon as school was out, I would go up. And then I moved to California, and I stopped because it's a very expensive habit out here. Extremely. It's getting worse. Yeah. and then And, and it's funny because from— the year 2000 to the year 2000 and probably 13. Yeah. I, I didn't buy a new snowboard the whole time. I had my same like fucking K2 fat Bob from mm. 2000. And like, and then we were on a photo shoot with like some pro dudes and I pulled my board out and they're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like clowning me. And so I like bought a new rig and now I'm like fully back into it. And it's like getting That's to good. relive my child. Yeah. I went to Japan last year to snowboard. Holy shit. It, yo. That's amazing. Bro, go to Japan. It it looks like a whole other world. I've seen videos, and Bro. it's like even the trees and everything. It's so, just I fu- so very similarly. I fucked up my wrist last year in Japan on the last day we were there because I was like I was having such an, a fucking fun run that yeah. I was like I like looked back at my homie like oh my god and then boom hit a fucking tree with my with, with my hand. Damn. Yeah, it wasn't that bad, but like it hurt and I couldn't do a push up for like six months. And <laughs> now it's fully back to normal. But yeah, I fucked up my wrist too. That sucks. Man. Um, but I'm telling you, hey, if you get a chance to go to Hakuba in Japan, it is a game changer. I never felt snow like that. It was like relearning. I would love to. Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah, it was tight. So the lineup get some buzz. Is it? Did you put it out in theaters there? No, no, no. Okay. It was. It was just like. All on Vimeo. Yeah. It wasn't even on YouTube. What Wasn't on YouTube, you go, but you but could find it on Vimeo. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, is that what you are submitting to the college in Pittsburgh? I think it was definitely on my, like, I think when I submitted stuff, I submitted, like, three videos. Yeah. Um, and I think that was one of them, just to kind of show that there was a decent amount of uh, like views and stuff. Yeah. Just to, yeah, I guess for the clout. Did, for the clout. <laughs> you know, for the Be- college Before clout. clout was a thing. Yeah. Is that college known for their film department? Or yeah. you just, oh, okay, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a, the school is pretty much known for two things and it's the film school and it's, um, they're like a dance school. Oh, okay. So it's literally like the film kids yeah. who are like semi pretty nerdy. Yeah. And then there's like, Super athletic dancing. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful dancers like everywhere. Yeah, right. And it's like, 
it's a cool little contrast. I don't know. That's cool. So. And so do you live on campus at a school like that, or is it like a smaller private university where you're out in a regular apartment somewhere? Yeah, I, I lived on campus for the first two years and then got an apartment pretty close by. It's like two blocks from the school. Okay. But it's like downtown Pittsburgh is is small enough to like anything is pretty much on campus totally it's walking distance was there any kind of culture shock between the two places or were they pretty similar like hometown and pittsburgh there wasn't but i don't know why because like like where i'm from it's there's no culture it's literally like i mean it's also obviously like one of the whitest states i think it's like that in vermont or like two of the whitest states but and but for some reason like and i remember in the college like just decision process thing it was like he was asking me he was trying to like help me figure out which school and like narrow it down and he was like one of the questions was about um do you care about like race or um it's like are you a neo-nazi it's like it's like that shouldn't i don't know why that matters it was like i'm forgetting the word right now diversity yes sorry yes diversity and it's like it that was such a weird thing to even like that never occurred to me and I got to school and there were like I mean there were like gay kids everywhere there were black kids white kids Mexican like it was and to me like that that never I did never thought about that and it was never anything I had to care about and I still don't care about obviously like but you grew up in a predominantly white school very yes really I think there were I literally think there were like three black kids in my school no shit that is something that's kind of like different to me I grew up in a super diverse school because I was on a military base really it was a smorgasbord of people for certain very diverse in the military so growing up in an all-white school I'm sure that it seems like normal at the time you were doing it but then after jumping to college and seeing the diversity there and looking back how do you think it differed? Now looking back, like, even when I was at school, it never, like, for some reason, and I don't know why, it just it never popped into my head, like, to you, whoa, yeah. this is so different. It's yeah. like, which is cool because it just shows you that humans are humans and, like, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. Right. And well, it's, is the overall vibe at a school like that, like, more conservative? At an all-white school, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, was it a conservative area? Yes, but, like, and now... See, like, it's the same thing. When I was there, none of that shit was in my head. Registering, And now, like, looking back on it, I, yeah, it was, like, a very conservative school. Kids that just didn't care about learning about anything, but, you know, like, no one cared about other people. Right, Whatever. like yeah. the three black kids that went there probably like f- like heard racist shit and yeah, but, yeah, totally. It, yeah, they're yeah. Now looking back on it, um, I don't. Know. You realize it's pretty pretty fucking weird. It is. It, it was like kind of shitty. It's like I don't know. I'm I'm glad it happened the way it did. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that obviously like none of that shit matters to me. That's super interesting though. Like, do you feel like now as an adult, you're doing more of the work to understand why diversity is important? I think so. It's like the reason that I ask is because it's very easy to say I'm not trying to attack you. I don't want you to think that no, I am, yeah. or that I'm like pushing you into a corner. So <laughs> we can, yeah. So it's easy to say like, oh, none of that shit ever mattered to me. But that can almost be interpreted like you know, like when Stephen Colbert used to joke about like, oh, I don't see color. You know what I mean? No, like concern. Conservatives be saying that shit like, oh, I don't, I, none of that shit matters to me. But like, the reason I'm asking is because it is very important to me, and diversity in schools is important to me. Definitely. Like, do you look back and wish you would have had a mi- more diverse upbringing? Yes. Yeah. Like for sure. And yeah. it's like, like when I go home now, even it like makes me sad because now I've experienced the real world. Yeah. And, like I've experienced the fact that there are cultures 
everywhere and right. like there are cities where like you can go a block and see every race and that's like yeah, a beautiful thing totally and i fucking love that because it's I, so weird like when you're like when you're in an all-white room now to me it's inti- it's like intimidating it's just like creepy to me weird, like yeah. i don't I mean, it makes me uncomfortable totally. which is so weird because that used to just be normal totally man because like that's the thing is like with me growing up on a military base and it being so diverse then moving to california and it's so diverse here like I remember one time going to Iowa for a job, and we were in a restaurant that probably had 150 seats in it, you know? Yeah. And the only person that wasn't white in the whole building was my Samoan homie sitting next to me. And it was just so weird to look across the room and see a sea of white people, and I'm like— Damn, this is how Donald Trump is president. You feel right. me? Like, like, oh fuck, right. it's fucking weird, man. So it's nuts. beyond like, oh, it didn't matter to me or bother me. Like, what was it like seeing this diverse sea of faces when you got to your new college? And where did you feel like you fit into it? It was amazing. I yeah. it was just like I found a group of friends, and it was an extremely like diverse group of friends too. Right. And it was like I don't know. It just. It was much better. Like the you learn so much f- just from being around different types of people. That sounds like such an obvious thing, but mm-hmm. it's just like it's not when you don't come from it. Right. And so like you just learn and you adapt and like you just you it just makes you a better person. Like it sounds very corny, but it just it does. Right. And that's the thing is like it might sound corny, but I fucking fully agree with that. Yeah. I think it does make you I don't know how, to, how else to put it. I think, like, I think trying to learn by osmosis from as many different um, people from as many different upbringings is like super important to make you a well-rounded human. For sure. It helps your art by making you more empathetic. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's huge. You that's learn to put yourself in other point. people's shoes. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So you're at that school. What do you start learning about film that you might have already inherently kind of known but didn't know how to word it or, like, the new things that you're learning about film? It was, yeah, I I took, like, a lot of screenwriting classes and, like, there was a class for, like, literally every aspect of, of like, filmmaking and production. And um, it was fun at first, but, like, halfway through that f- first year, mm-hmm. so I guess by the end of the first semester, I was just, like, I did not like being taught it, mm. and f- that was completely on me because I was the one that made the decision to go to school to study it, right? N- and then quickly realized that I did not like being taught it, not on any, like, hot-headed shit or anything. It was just, like, I didn't like the way that they taught right. something like that. I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't supposed to go to any sort well, here, of art here, school. Uh, here's I, the thing is that I'm, like, I'm damn near a half generation older than you, and so I've gone through the same thing, mm-hmm. and I, and I want to see if maybe you relate to this idea. I think that if you're passionate about something, passionate enough about something, you'll teach it to yourself, yeah. and you'll do the, the work on your own, and then you don't need to be taught it because you're so hungry to learn it in your own way and make right. it mean something to you that you don't need the education part of it. But... You know, at the same time, like if you do go to like an art school and get taught in art, it probably means in the long run you weren't passionate enough about it in the first place to teach yourself, right? So yeah, like I think that it it makes it hard to like take all the information in that they're giving you when you've gotten yourself to where you were. Like you've put in the work to learn everything that you know, and then you go to school to study. It just it was a weird concept that I didn't think about ahead of time. And you had to erase everything you taught yourself, kind of? Pretty much. It was like being retaught what I taught myself. Yeah. Um, and it was like, 
I think I got kind of pushed in. I'm I'm super happy I went to school because yeah, right. I, I learned I got into music because of school. Right. Um, and I found music, but I definitely kind of got pushed to go to school. Yeah. Like I, me going to college was never like a goal of mine. It was never something that I was set on. But you had an, a mom in education, and, yep. and you, my dad you know. just wanted yeah. to see me do well, right? And, which right. is which is cool. Like I love that. And a lot of artists, a lot of pure artists might not be fit out for academia. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that's that's natural. It's very there. It's not very often that I would be like, "Yo, don't go to school." But there are some people where, like, the academic environment doesn't work for them. Right. And that's fine. And to me, like, in listening to your songwriting and in listening to um, your melody structures and just just everything that you're doing, I can f- sense the the true artistry within you. And so, like, it makes sense that academia didn't work for you. <laughs> now, to the good news, you found out about making music while you are there. How did that start to happen? Um, I ran into these two kids— one of them was like my first friend that I actually met at college, um, and he he like came into my dorm one day and he was like, "Yo, check this out!" And he had like a a disc, and it was the first time I've ever been handed a CD, a CD no like shit. that. Like, and what, so what's his like, name? Shout him out, uh, Eli Kerr. Shout, shout out, to Eli. shout out, Eli. I owe him everything because he's the one that like got me into music. Yeah. So um, he hands you a CD, and you didn't even have a CD player or what? No, my roommate did, and so we like. He left, and me and my roommate popped it in, and we were just, like, listening to it, and we were like, wow, this is sick. Like, he records his own music. Oh. And I was like, to me, that was, like, amazing. I had never thought that you could just do that. Yeah. I always thought it was, like, you had to be famous, and you had to go to studios, and right. you had to, like, have shit popping. Right. And he was like, yeah, I just, like, I record it myself, and I work with producers who make beats. And I was like, that's awesome. And he was like... And then and then we used to so we used to go to this wharf like right uh like next to our school right on the water and we used to go down there and we would like smoke and we would like just freestyle mm-hmm. and after like a few times just like freestyle we used to have like these huge circles and people would come down there and it was like we call them ciphers bro yes yes okay <laughs> there you on. go speak the language and, homie. and no. but like I didn't know that I yeah, didn't know yeah. what that was right. and um and it was like straight out of a movie it was so sick and then. He was like, hey, let's record a song. And I was like, okay. So we went to my dorm, and I was just like, he was like, let's write. And I was like, okay. So I pulled out my phone, and I started, like, writing shit. Yeah. And we recorded a song. It was horrible. but mm. And then they left the recording stuff. They left the mic, and they left, um, they downloaded Logic onto my computer mm-hmm. and, like, an interface. And mm-hmm. so I, like, for the next two or three weeks, I started, like, teaching myself, and I was, like, playing around with it and just ended up absolutely falling in love. That's tight, man. And I'm getting nostalgic about it just hearing it. And and I I generally try to not make these podcasts too much about myself. I like to ask questions. Yeah. But I just want to be on some like, yes, go ahead. let me relate to you type shit. So this is funny because the my path was very similar, right? And that's not to say you're going to end up where I am, a fucking washed up 36-year-old <laughs> oh doing God. podcasts with kids. But yeah, it was the same thing. Like school, I wasn't taken to it. And I didn't really want to go, but I couldn't really... High school or college? No, college. college. I, I, I took to high school. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm a fucking straight-A student, all that shit. And yeah. I even got straight-A's in college, too. But it's just because, like, it, I don't know. Like, schoolwork was mad easy for me. You know yeah, what I mean? some people. Yeah, it, yeah, it just came natural. I didn't... Yeah. Anyway, uh, but 
my second year of college at my second school already because I was like I jumped I went to three different colleges in three years right but my second college I met this kid named Graham who was very similar to Eli shout out Graham he (laughs) this was in 2000 right he had fucking a mic from Radio Shack in his dorm room with a computer back when it was like a tube monitor you know like we had computers with fucking tubes on like the like an old school TV type shit right and he had a tower and he had FL Studio on there. Well, it was called yep. Fruity Loops back then. He had Fruity Loops and he had fucking Cool Edit to record vocals. And it was the same thing. We started going to rap shows. We would cipher. We would fucking. I, and like people kept being like, oh, Lee, you're really good. You keep going. Keep going. You know, you keep freestyling. And I'm like, all right, cool. I started to get gassed up. And I'm like, I need to record some bars. <laughs> Graham, what's up? Let's record. And so we didn't even have a mic stand, bro. We would fucking tape the Radio Shack mic, the handheld mic, yeah. right, to a fucking toilet paper roll on the desk like angled up so and then tape the toilet roll to the desk so that it was kind of like a mic stand and that's how we started recording and then the rest is history and and here i am interviewing you yeah man so shout out to college discovering your true true passions man so did you did you start making beats too in logic no i i i I mess around with production and like it's fun but i just would never use my own production because i think one, it takes forever to actually learn how to really make production sound good, and I would never, I don't know. I just love working with other producers that already have the knowledge. Totally. And, like, know the science behind it and the, everything. And it's like, I would just much rather do it like that, but I do have fun, like, messing around with drum kits and everything. Yeah, yeah. totally. But you're more purely a vocalist. Yeah, I like to write. Like to, yes. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah. Okay, cool. Now we're back to kind of the beginning, like, when you say, oh, I was a rapper and I was auto-tuning and writing these songs that weren't true yeah. to myself, like, knowing that you're going to look back on those songs in 10 years and laugh at them, you might as well laugh at them now. Like, tell me what they were about, like, the ones that, that you're, like, embarrassed of and don't want people to find. I, the only ones that I'm embarrassed of were, like, the very first. It was, like, the first tape that I put out. Yeah. And it was called, like, it was called Since When. And yeah. it was supposed to, and, like, the track on the thing the first track was also called since when yeah and the hook was like since when does this kid rap and like all this shit yeah, and yeah. it was like i was so cocky like yeah. that's why i don't that's why i deleted it because i was for some reason when i got into hip-hop i was like oh i have to be cocky i have right. to talk about myself right. all the time and like fucking were, talk were you myself doing up. were you doing the classic mistake that new white rappers always make where, they, sure. where they go I don't look like other rappers and I don't rap about I'm the same different. things as other rappers, right? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's what, was... that's a mistake that a lot of people make when they're first starting. And I'm sure I made it too, where like the hubris that you have as this new artist makes you think like, oh, no one else has done it makes this. Makes you think you got to prove yourself and right, shit. Like, right, right, right. Yeah, no. Totally. Yeah. But at least you recognized it early. And mm-hmm. so how did the pivot come for you to become role model? It was, it was like... It was the, I think it was March of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, about a year ago. And I was, I had like this really shitty four month period from an injury, um, yeah. from the skiing injury. And the I was wrist. like, yeah. And I was just, I kind of got introduced to depression. And for the very first time, like, um, so you haven't struggled with depression your whole life? No, it just started. It, it just I just got introduced to it. And oh it was fuck, like, man! Welcome it, to the club. Yeah, right? You're in for a shitty ride. <laughs> nah. And it was like, and it was like this four month period where, and I didn't know that's what it was either. So that made it worse. Right. Because like, depression doesn't make sense until you have like the language for it. You right. Know? And even when you have the language for it, it's still sometimes you're like, why do I feel like, like this? Why? Yeah. Yeah. Just but, like, but yeah. 
and I started selling weed yeah. before I started smoking it because I also didn't have money. Uh-huh. And so I started like selling weed, which obviously led to me smoking weed because there was always weed around. And then I started you drinking. Done, you got high on your own supply. Yeah, exactly. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> Made no money. Yeah. Um, and then I started kind of drinking and just like doing shit I didn't like. Like I've never done like hard drugs. I will never do anything more than weed. Yeah. I'd say that. That's my word. But like I, it was just like shit like that. And I was kind of hating myself. And at the time, I also wanted to change music. I wanted to like get back to what I sort of grew up on and like ex- like explore like what I grew up on. Um, yeah. And so I started kind of working with some more guitar stuff and when I I made the first song Cocaine Babe and at that time I was like I want to change my name and during that really dark shitty period where I was fucking high all the time and I was like I thought of the name Role Model just kind of randomly and I thought it was funny because at the time it was you were the antithesis of that. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I, st- I mean, I still kind of, I still am. Like, yeah. I'm in no way am I what people Right, it's a, subver- it's a subversive name. It's, yeah. it's like ironic or what have you. Right. Right? Yeah. But it could be something to work towards, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I go. might mature a little bit yeah. down the line, and it'll be cool, but we'll see. So my question for you, as you're going through that depressed phase and you didn't realize that you're depressed, what was the breaking point when you're like, fuck it, I'm going to smoke this joint or whatever. Like, what was that day like? No, dude. It's, like, that whole period was such a fog. Yeah. Because, like, I was just smoked out all the time, so I don't remember a lot of that stuff. But it was just, like, I just never left my room. Like, I woke up in a room without windows every morning, and that shit alone will fuck you up. Yeah, for real. Like, if you don't have depression and you get in a basement room or something, like, that's going to... Do you dirty, but um, yeah, because you never know what time of day it is. Your circadian rhythms right. get all fucked up. Like that's very bad for you, right? There's yeah. just like so much behind just waking up to darkness. Every like that's just not good. Yeah, <laughs> but, right. Um, I don't know when the first time I like sparked up was. I mean, I just it just happened. I guess it just happened. And then, but do you remember your first drink? Because you, you know, yes. yeah, your whole thing was like, oh, I was the sober guy in high school. Like, what was the breaking point with the first drink? <laughs> I remember it so clearly. Dude. Was there like, peer pressure involved? A little bit, but yeah. it was a girl, and yeah. it was, so it was like I was all for it. Of and course, it was, and it, I'd, yeah, I remember it super clear. We we're like in the backyard of a party, and she had the whole thing of vodka, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Fuck it!" And I took it to impress her, mm-hmm. obviously, and then chugged it. And you chugged almost, vodka? No, 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 no uh, not chugged. It. Okay. I should not Just say that. Just took a gulp. I took a big gulp, okay. not knowing yeah. how horrible. Oh god, it's how horrible, disgusting, it is. and for sure, almost threw up. But yeah. I hit it. Yeah, I hit it. And then and then she was impressed. The, and then and the rest is history. Now, now, and then you guys fell in love. No. <laughs> and then how often were you drinking after that? Um, were you instantly all in? I'm in no way. Like, I do not. I'm not into alcohol, like, that much. I really, like, I would never. I have no reason to drink Monday through fucking right. Thursday or Friday. Yeah. But on the weekends, for sure, like, I drank every weekend. Yeah, It was right, just because, right. like parties and freshmen in college it's like there's always some shit to do and there's always an excuse to drink and so how long was it until the arizona summer ep kind of like started to bubble in your mind were those songs just kind of they were just coming up and and they formed themselves into something yeah i well i started writing that concept came a year ago um 
during that time, and I started writing all the songs, and I had the songs, I had the project ready, and I had it was called Arizona in the Summer, and then I moved home because it was the end of the school year, and I went home and saw my friends again. It was sunny. I was not waking up to darkness, and like that depression, like kind of seemed to fade. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna like wait on this because this isn't the right time. No one yeah. wants to like cry during the summer and listen right. to my shit. Right. And it's like, so I sat on it, and then in the fall, I broke my wrist again. Got into that same fucking no way. yeah. That so you same, were like when you hurt your wrist, you were like straight casted up and everything. Yeah, it was yeah. like a oh, it was yeah. like a three month healing period for both of them because I like I really did like fuck them up. That like, sucks, man. Pieces. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But and then yeah, and then I kind of got back into that state and I was like I kind of want to take another stab at this and then started bringing. I got introduced to like a studio in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and so I started recording mm-hmm. and writing everything and put it out. And did you just kind of put it out into the air by yourself? Um, I put it, well, I met my manager. Um, yeah. I didn't meet him, but I started talking to my manager in the fall. How did he find you? Just through SoundCloud? It was after I put out Girl in New York, okay. which was like my first, or my second single. Yeah. Um, and I put that out, and that really it was the first song that gained traction like quickly, and that was the first time that I had seen that happen like on Spotify and Apple Music and stuff, and a lot of A&Rs were kind of reaching out, asking about, like, future plans and all that shit. And Inst- instantly? Really? It, no, no, no. It was not oh, instant, yeah. but it was, I mean, as soon as it started hopping on, like, Spotify playlists, it's, like, people just... It was, like, right as it hit 200,000 Yeah. for some reason. I don't know if it's, like, some automated shit or something, but right as it hit 200,000, it was, like, they started hitting the inbox. Yo, that's that's real shit. Like, half of A&Ring now is, like, data analytics. Yes. And when you see something growing at a certain pace and, and enough clicks on it, then, like, yeah, it they all have, like, notifications for, like, exactly. the data that's analytics. What, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And... So yeah. that that's some inside baseball for you fucking out for you guys out there that want to work for labels too. Like, start learning SEO if you want to fucking work for a label. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, yeah. And then so yeah, he was he was Cole, my manager Cole. Yeah. He was one of the A and R's that had reached out to me. Wow. In general, he was the only one that genuinely See, I could tell genuinely cared. Like meant it. Yes, yeah. and I and I am very confident in my ability to like read people through the internet because yeah. you kind of have to be now. Yeah. And. And he was for sure, like, the most genuine person that had reached out. And so I was like, we talked every single day yeah. um, leading up to the Arizona project. And he was like, anything I can do to help. He helped me with the cover art and finding artists. He helped. Um, and he was, like, he was, like, helping, like, do small, like, funding for it, too, without even telling me, which right. is how I knew he genuinely cared. Because if I had never asked, like, someone told me that he paid for something. And if I had never asked him about that, he would never have told me. Wow. So I was like, you know what? This kid actually cares. Right. And he wants, he believes in this. And he, yeah, he helped. How did, what is it, Girl in New York? Girl in New York. How, how did that end up on Spotify playlist? Just, it just happened? That one, I mean, that was, that was when I first joined, like, a distribution okay. thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, they helped with the first, they gave it that first push. Yeah. Uh, was it a distribution finds. company or or like was it like a TuneCore or a DistroKid or was it an independent company? Independent. That, oh, well, yeah. how did they find you? They found me through um, one of the DJs in my hometown. No who way. Was he put my stuff on the radio a couple times? Wow. Um, and I think that there was he has some close ties with him. Yeah. Um, I think it was Miho. 
but I'm not sure. Um, anyways, yeah, yeah, kind of heard word of mouth, and I heard had, he had not reached out to me, but I heard from someone else that he was interested, and yeah. so I reached out to him, and he was like, "Yes, that's blah blah blah." It's so crazy how fast shit happens now. None, none of this stuff would have existed when I was your age. Yeah. Like all, yeah, no, nah, it was like there was no. Um, instant access to labels like that like the internet wasn't as pervasive it was pervasive don't get me wrong yeah. but the music industry wasn't controlled by the internet yet it was still like very compact punk compact disky you right. know what i'm saying yeah. it wasn't streaming music yet anyway that's so that's such an interesting story and such like a modern fucking music story i right. feel like yeah all right cool so now you're getting places and everything and that's tight and we've got that established but i want to talk actually about the content of of arizona summer because i listen to it and i hear addiction stories have you ever thought of that or have you ever thought of that angle? What do you mean? So I, I think I Don't Really Like You is a sex addiction song. That's what that's what drew me into it. Because let me tell you, I've, I've been trying to write a song that touches – and I don't know if you purposefully did it or not. I've been trying to write songs that touch on sex addiction for a long time. But – I did them in much less classy ways. Like, I did them douchey. I did them in, like, a douchey way when I used to make music. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so when I hear things about, like, you know, I don't like you, you don't like me, we're just lonely, we don't have anything better to do, like, that is, um, to me, psychologically, like, a classic validation story of, like, I just need to fill this void and, like, you're here to fill this void for me. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, and, like, I'm, that's spot on. Like, yeah. the... The song is, to me, like I've been saying, it's like such a modern love song because that seems it's to be— It's love in the time of Tinder. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's like nobody wants a relationship. And the thing is, is like I'm guilty of it. Like that song was like very real, like close to me because during the time of when I wrote that and stuff, it was like I was—I don't— I'm not going to say too much because I don't want to sound like a douchebag, but there was just like a lot of... You were really out here. I was, I was yeah. out here. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, I just didn't want feelings. And But now looking back on it, it's like no one does. Like at, at this point, no one wants to do that. Because and, vulnerability is very scary, but vulnerability also ties into all of the SLAA, like sex and love addiction, anonymous type stuff is like yeah. avoiding vulnerability, avoiding emotional openness with other people, protecting yourself and like having problematic relationships in order to like avoid your own like true emotional issues. You Definitely. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Definitely. Have you read into any of that stuff? I know you don't like to read. No, I mean, not much. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I don't know. Hey man, let me it's, tell you, <laughs> I, I'm telling you now, n try to nip it in the bud, bro, because I was going through that shit when I was your age and now... I'm uh, and I'm 36 now, about to be 37, and this is my like I'm, I'm about to get engaged, and but this is like the first time in my life I've been emotionally available to that, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And I wish that I would have like tackled some issues earlier in my life. You feel, I feel me? That. Yeah, but I yeah, no, anyway, I, I agree. Unsolicited <laughs> advice, homie. I fuck with it. That said, like listening to the record, I think that you do touch on these topics that could be like tightrope walk borderline douchey in a very tactful manner and you don't come off like a douche like I think I used to or like I did on my records but I think that you come off um very self-aware yeah. yeah that's and, the thing is like I know what I'm doing wrong yeah. and like that whole the whole project in general is like me it's like an open like diary kind of a form mm -hmm. of writing and it was like I wanted people to understand that I knew what I was doing wrong, and mm -hmm. I still know what the fuck I do wrong. Like, mm -hmm. but it was my way of like just getting it out, mm -hmm. and because I think that it is shit that people can relate to, mm -hmm. and so it's. I'm not saying I'm a perfect 
human at all. Obviously. But, yeah, so it's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, man, I, I think the project is fucking beautiful. You know what I mean? I, I really like it, and, and it's rare for me to find something these days that I actually want to, like, put in my phone and listen to a bunch of times, and, and I do with Arizona Summer. Particularly the first two songs, are, I think, are, like, that's, like— those are my dreams. Like, those are my, like, songs. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, I love that shit. So, like, that's the type of music I would love to listen to at all times. It has kind of this, like, um, whether you know it or not, the influence, uh, uh, whatever your influences were, were influenced by bands that I loved when I was a youngster. You know what I mean? Like, it has this Portishead vibe. It has, like, um, you know, like, old trip hop, like, um, and, and then, but then it also has influences of modern stuff. Like, it's, like, ties into the same realm of like the gbc shit or or you know like Lil peep and all those guys like it fits in that same kind of category so i feel like you could speak to multi-generations you know what i mean that's um, the idea yeah so anyway that's awesome Thank that, you. that was a random like fucking mad props to you. you yeah most definitely man that said i think i've pretty much touched on everything that i wanted to touch on with you and i, I just think like if you guys are still listening at this point, I would highly suggest going to listen to the record. It's a short listen, Arizona Summer EP. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on SoundCloud. You can find it all over the place. And right now, I think your metrics don't reflect where you're obviously going yet because you have, like, what, 600 Twitter followers or something at this yeah, point? Yeah, my Twitter's not popping. I was very late on Twitter. <laughs> and that's fine. But I'll tell you guys this right now. You can have my word that, like, by the time this episode comes out, it'll probably have doubled. And then in a few more weeks, it'll have quadrupled. And I think there's going to be a meteoric rise because I think you guys are probably making the right moves in the background. And so that's fantastic. Um is there anything else you want to add to any of this? I don't think so, man. This, right. is, this is awesome. Tell the people where to find you online. Um, at Hey Role Model on everything. Instagram, Twitter, everything. At Hey Role Model. Hey and Role Model is H-E-Y and then Role Model spelled normal. One word. Sorry for the rain out here, man. Yeah, I, I wanted a little bit of sun. When I left the East Coast, I was hoping there would be some sun. Not getting any of it. Not, not much different. Yeah. No. Um, already have new music in the works? Yes, we have a lot of new music in the works. Yeah. Um, Are you feeling inspired? Very. Okay, good. Very. You feel All like you're going to be in this for a long time? For sure. All right, good, for man. Sure. Yeah, I'm happy for you. I think you got a bright future in front of you, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, most definitely. Okay, guys, my name is Lee. You might know me as Intuition. You can follow me at It's Intuition. Uh, follow my man, Ben Shim, behind the boards, making the shit sound buttery, at I Am Database, based with two S's. You can follow us as a unit, at Kinda Neat and kindaneat.net where everything is wrapped up in a pretty package youtube.com slash kindaneat where you are going to see role model perform my current favorite song called i don't really like you don't forget to go to patreon patreon.com slash kindaneat and pledge a dollar per episode that's all we're asking for at most that's going to be four bucks a month from you which is way cheaper than what you're paying for hbo you know what i'm saying like that's way cheaper than what you're paying for netflix even though you probably mooch it from your ex-girlfriend because you're a piece of shit <laughs> that's okay Okay, uh, go to patreon.com slash kind of neat pledge a buck we would love for you guys to do that other than that i think we did what we came to do that's my man role model i'm intuition and this was kind of neat oh.